The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Here on Radio Southland 96.4 and Coast Access Radio up in Kapiti, because this is Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Your weekly show about cars and drivers, enthusiasts and the obsessed. This evening uh, we are looking at Skoda Police Cars, Cummins Hydrogen and even Avis Rental rules for their new EVs. Possibly riveting stuff. Road tripping with my two favourite allies Pulling loaded we got snacks and supplies It's time to leave this town, it's time to steal away Let's go get lost anywhere in the USA Let's go get lost, let's go get lost Blue, you sit so pretty west of the one Sparkle light with yellow icing Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun Check the surf Staying high and drives more trouble Than it's worth in the sun Just a mirror for the sun Just a mirror for the sun
on Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron on Radio South, the 96.4 and Coast Access Radio up in Capity. Let's begin with the Skoda Superb, which has celebrated its first birthday as the official Prime One vehicle of the New Zealand Police. The attracting, uh, the wagon attracting glory reviews from staff. Yeah, speaking with uh, Auto Talk, uh, New Zealand Police Fleet Manager. Brian Yanko confirmed that the organisation's experience with the vehicle and with Skoda has been a success, labelling the Superb a very high-performing vehicle, which has been um, well-received. Yeah, well, following the demise of the old Holden brand, Skoda was named as New Zealand's uh, New Zealand Police's new Prime One vehicle supplier in uh, November 2020. The first delivery is kicking off in 2021, which we covered back then. Skoda Kodiak SUVs have since been spotted in action too, and the police is also currently looking at uh, or evaluating a superb FE PHEV. Yeah, yeah. Plug, plug in, in hydrogen, plug in thing. Yeah. Hybrids. Yeah. Plug in yeah. hybrid. Yeah, that's the so one. You're to plug it in, gas it up, yeah. and, and drive it. And drive it. <laughs> yeah. He reckons uh, there were always going to be those who thought that they were going to be going to hell in a handbasket for um, choosing Skoda. Um, however, some People remember Skoda's for the communist era. Be that as it may, uh, there are quite a few other countries that use Skoda's as they seem to be reasonably priced and pretty reliable. According to Yango, police around the country have raved about the Superb's capabilities in the rain and with the model's actual traction control system, which allows police to perform things like tight turns and prevent loss of traction. Yeah, he also confirms that any fears of parts being difficult to source, to source weren't actually founded. Mm. Uh, explaining that part supply targets are currently sitting around about 97%. This means the essence that for every 100 parts requested filed by the New Zealand police, 97% of them are dealt with them immediately. Yanko mm, specifically cited recent calls that he had received from two senior constables and a sergeant from the old Auckland Highway Patrol. He actually individually, individually rung him and thanked them for the vehicles. <laughs> he said it's actually they found it to be the best handling police vehicle they've ever driven. Yeah, um, they previously had the Holden Commodore SV6 Highway Patrol vehicles and thought they couldn't get a better car than that. Uh, well, they'll never go back. Well, never. They'll now never go back. Uh, plus, it's new technology. If you are thinking about the 2018 SV6, you're talking about four years ago of technology coming over the top of that. Oh, the old Superb has scored plenty of positive reviews. Yanko noted that some tweaks have to be made to the vehicle following other feedback from staff. He didn't specifically note what those tweaks were, though looking at an article I couldn't get access to from the Otago Daily Times, yeah, there was a few bits of plastic trim and things and bits and pieces that apparently couldn't hacker the rigours of Kiwi roads. Yeah, um, well, considering they're all over Europe and other parts of the world, it just shows how, uh, yeah, Indifferent the Kiwi roads can actually be. Uh, but back to Yanko, who added that when uh, you introduce any new brand, certainly that into operational environment, there's always going to be those small tweaks. So um, you, you get your first vehicles out there and then uh, you just wait for the feedback. You mentioned the great thing about Skoda is that New Zealand police are, you know, very small fish in the worldwide scene, but they have actually got some reach back into the factory and have actually been able to suggest they make some little tweaks and changes to the vehicle to continue to improve it for us. And it's standing up really well, so that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, but now we're off to, um, we're on to Cummins. 
and uh, a name that's pretty synonymous with diesel engines. Uh, it's joining uh, the hydrogen train, and for good reason. There's um, mounting demand for hydrogen powertrains for heavy trucks and heavy duty pickups, as well as um, growing hostility from regulators towards diesel. Yeah, the old coal rollers. And now Cummins is producing a hydrogen version of its popular B6.7 engine. That engine is the base for the uh, 6.7 litre Cummins in line 6. Turbo diesel used today and yet the big Ram pickups from Stellantis. The engine is found in the 2500, 3500, 4500 and believe it or not the 5500 heavy duty line of pickups. When uh, Stellantis introduced the all-new Ram at the CES 2023 last month, the company said a future heavy-duty derivative would have a hydrogen powertrain. Yeah, well, the old diesel industry is bracing for a phase-out over the next 15 years, 15-plus uh, years, but in some cases, uh, sooner. The California Air Resources Board, or CARB, <laughs> in 2008 stated that any diesel vehicles weighing over 14,000 pounds, which is to us is 6.35 tonnes, and built before 2010, would be banned from operating on California roads as of January 1st, 2023. And yep, sure enough, those trucks are coming off the road now. Yeah, CARB also has mandated that all new trucks operating around busy railways and ports be zero emissions by 2024, phasing out all diesel trucks from those areas by 2020, oh, 2035, and eventually taking every diesel truck and bus fleet off California roads by 2045 where feasible. Cummins has also demonstrated how the new B6.7H, which is a hydrogen version for its medium-duty and heavy-duty engine offerings, can replace diesel. In a video, the company demonstrates how a medium-duty delivery truck can operate on zero carbon emissions, hydrogen fuel, and an internal combustion engine without giving up any performance or cargo-carrying benefits. Yeah, Cummins H2 ICE engine features a 700 bar or a 10,000 psi pressure high-capacity hydrogen storage system, uh, which gives the vehicle a range of around about 300 miles or 483 kilometres. The B8 uh, the B67H 6.7 hydrogen motor produces 290 horsepower and around about 886 pound of foot torque, or um, it's 1201 newton meters of, of torque in the medium uh, duty truck package. Uh, Suman Agadaria, anyway, the vice president of the Albuquerque, New Mexico based Biotech, which supplies hydrogen trailers. And distribution points such as uh, True Zero stations in California, Lee reckons is an undeniable desire to make more of hydrogen in the energy economy. Yes. Yeah, Biotech's position is backed up by a recent report by consulting firm Deloitte. Something like that, yeah. uh, it's possibly French. Deloitte. Deloitte. Yeah, yeah, it sounds French. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Uh, but that um, project hydrogen uh, to be the next energy sector to scale. And yeah, we reckon it's about time. Commons is a. Also just shown its new fuel agnostic 15-litre engine platform with hydrogen, biogas and advanced diesel engines at Con Expo. This engine offers the OEMs the opportunity to accelerate the decarbonisation of heavy-duty off-highway vehicles. Yeah, the new platform is designed for the next level emissions reduction standards and has a significant increase in power density with 
uh, more compact installation. Uh, this lets OEM increase machine capability and productivity with no impact on running costs. The 15 litre hydrogen engine will be available with ratings from 400 to 530 horsepower. Jim Nebergall, general manager of Cummins Hydrogen Engine Business, stated that uh, every past hydrogen hype cycle, what was really meant by hydrogen economy was personal cars with a fuel cell. On the contrary, today uh, commercial transportation is one of the key opportunities for the hydrogen economy to finally prosper. Yeah, as ever with hydrogen powertrains, the issue is refueling. Um, but the hydrogen infrastructure is getting a big boost, courtesy of the US government. Uh, the Inflation Reduction uh, Act signed into law late last August allocated $8 billion to build out six to ten hydrogen hubs. Well, multiple states have prepared a request for proposal submissions for hubs that will be built to generate hydrogen on a large scale and in geographic regions where they would likely get the most use in traffic. Plus, uh, be able to distribute compressed hydrogen to high-volume users who want to get off diesel fuel and yet onto renewable energy-driven hydrogen. Yeah, Cummins is also playing in the hydrogen production space. Uh, the company just announced it is supplying a 35-megawatt proton exchange membrane, a, a PEM, <laughs> electrolyzer to Lind, uh, for its new hydrogen production plant near, near the Niagara Falls in New York. And it's Lynn's um, largest such plant in the U.S. Amy Davis, Amy Davis, president of New Power at Cummins, stated, This project is not only a milestone for Cummins, but for the energy transition in the U.S. Adding the 35 megawatt of this Lind plant to our electrolyzer project footprint highlights our commitment to scaling the green hydrogen. Remember we talked about green and all the other ones that's yeah. sustainably made economy and uh, our ability to support large-scale renewable hydrogen production with market-leading innovation. I've always got to add that bit at the end. Of it. Yeah, innovation. Yeah, that's a good word. Uh, but going back on the electric vehicle bandwagon, and uh, Avis has uh, new terms and conditions for renting its electric vehicles. And, uh, yep, as you can guess, like the electric vehicles, <laughs> the terms and conditions are a little bit weird. Yeah. Avis has just sent an email out recently to its customers to let it know it has new rental T's and C's for its fleet of EVs. It says, as we introduce electric vehicles to our fleet, our rental terms have been amended to accommodate our expanding, expanding vehicle infantry. This amends the agreement signed by you with respect to the rental of vehicle powered by an electric motor. Um, first up, one-way rentals are not permitted due to uh, unique infrastructure needs associated with electric vehicles. Your electric vehicle must be returned to the rental location on the date and time spe uh, specified in your rental terms. If your electric vehicle is not returned to the renting location, all costs incurred in transporting your electric vehicle back to the renting location will be assessed to you. Uh, in addition, there will be a fee uh, for the loss of use while they transport it back. Electric asked the spokesperson how many EV charging stations Avis is installing at, well, Houston Airport for one, and they wouldn't say. <laughs> they only said that both uh, DC and Level 2 are being put in. Then they asked what the rollout plan is for other North American airports, and got the reply, well, following the launch at the Houston Airport, Avis and Evercharge plan, which must be the partner company in this, 
to extend the partnership to additional airport locations this year. Yeah, so based on that information, it would appear that the reason why rental customers um, have to return the EV to their original rental location, in this case, airports, is because Avis doesn't have enough electric vehicle charging infrastructure yet. Yeah, maybe Avis should have installed more EV charging infrastructure before it rolled out its unknown quantity of EVs. No one can actually rent a Tesla Model 3 from Avis in, well, seven US states, all in the West. It's kind of silly that you can't drive between those locations without having to return, you know, back to home base. Yeah, another one is the level of charge on return. Avis will rent the electric vehicle with at least a 70% charge on the battery. Uh, the range of your EV will vary based on a number of factors, uh, including load uh, and, and etc. Avis does not warrant or guarantee the range of your electric vehicle. Why 70%? Well, the ideal topped-up charge level is 80%, because lithium and batteries and science. <laughs> if AV has EV charges at rental locations, then it should charge them up to 80%. Plus, your EV must be returned to Avis with a battery charge level of at least 70%. Apparently, if you're returned at less than 70%, but more than 10% charge level, a charging fee of 35 US dollars will be uh, assessed to you. And return, if returned with less than 10 percent battery charge level, you will be charged an additional low charge fee of $35. The charging fee is based on the kilowatt hours, overhead, and loss of use of the electric vehicle and administration or administrative costs Avis incurs whilst um, charging the vehicle. Yeah, that's for the fellow to go outside and plug it in. Yeah, and yeah. Come back inside. And $35. Yep. I bet you he only gets a dollar, though. <laughs> well, it's a bit steep, but I guess this is like when you bring a gas car back empty without prior arrangements, and the rental car companies charge a really high fill up fee. And if Avis does, you have DC charges, and they don't have to wait long to charge up a car that has a battery level of, well, not less than, not much less than 70%. Yeah, roadside assistance is available if you need, but they can't actually bring out extra fuel. No, because you're not using it. No. Uh, so if you've depleted your electric vehicle batteries, it will be towed to your rental location and towing expenses will be assessed to you. If you require another vehicle due to a breakdown, you may be given a gas-powered vehicle, which, in which case all uh, fuel provisions of your rental terms shall apply with respect to your replacement vehicle. Why can't the EV be towed to the latest, uh, well, nearest Tesla supercharger or similar? Why does it have to go all the way back to the renting location? What if the driver's on a road trip? This one definitely qualifies as a bit weird, and actually may scare some people off who, you know, wanted to go and try an EV for the first time too. Yeah, all electric vehicle equipment, including charging equipment, keys, cards, fobs, and and all remotes provided with your electric vehicle must be returned. The full replacement cost of any electric vehicle equipment not returned with your electric vehicle will be charged to you. Mm, this is definitely a legal thing, but surely it would make uh, kind of common sense. You know, keys, cards, fobs and everything would all have to be returned. Much like a gas rental car, you know, you wouldn't keep a fob for yourself. Perhaps Avis has experienced some customers throwing away key cards because you think they're like hotel key cards, who knows. At any rate, I'd be pretty annoyed if I was an Avis employee and customers kept throwing away the key cards, so yeah, fair enough. Fobs is a bit of an overstretch, you shouldn't you just wouldn't throw them away anyway, but I guess you had to cover them to mention them to cover their backs. Yeah, yeah. Anyone rented an electric vehicle 
on or away from New Zealand, well, if you'd like to share your story, just get a hold of us on Facebook. Just uh, search up Grinding Gears. But for now, it's uh, time for a tune. Then it's Tesla time. <laughs> So are you. This is Grinding Gears with Pete. And Aaron. Coming to you from Radio South, the 96.4, and Coast Access Radio Capity. Yep, it's your grassroots car show. Tesla time now, and the company this week uh, <laughs> replaced the Model Y steering wheel after it fell off, calling it Goodwill. Yeah, it's crazy to think Tesla service initially charged $104 for the repair, and Tesla still says there was no defect or... And it wasn't technically liable. Don't know how they say that. But it might have been it? missing the bolt off of it for oh, one mu- thing. Must have something drastically. Like, you know the nut when you put the airbag thing over it. Yeah, it yeah. looks like it came from the factory. You'd have to think there's something as simple as that. But uh, Model Y owner Prerak Patel was driving his brand new ride when the steering wheel came off in his hands. After some back and forth, Tesla has decided to replace. The entire car. However, the interesting part is is how the whole story unfolded. Well, the Tesla Model Y owner only had his new EV for about a week before the steering wheel detached on its own while I was driving his family on the freeway. 
Fortunately, he was able to pull over safely and no one was hurt. However, the Tesla needed to be towed away. Yes, sadly, it seemed the Tesla Service Centre was going to hold Patel responsible for the problem, initially charging him over $100 for the repair. He tweeted uh, Tesla CEO Elon and included screenshots of his interactions with Tesla Service, as well as the initial bill. Note the service centre did eventually reverse the charges for the repair. Hmm. As the story goes, while Tesla Service looked into the Model Y in greater detail, Patel continued to stew over who could be responsible for such an issue and, well, how it should be handled. He was also worried about the safety of the car in general, which he would be. Yeah, yeah, steering wheel falling off. No, Mm. there's nothing wrong with my car. Uh, Well, as as he would be, uh, Patel proceeded to put out a poll asking people on Twitter to choose whether he should accept the Model Y back with the steering replaced or expect Tesla to provide him with a brand new car. Of course, Tesla users voted for the new car, and yeah, it wasn't even close. (laughs) Tesla did end up replacing the Model Y with a brand new one, and the EV maker also sent Patel a letter explaining that it was going to repurchase the Model Y that had the steering wheel fall off. However, Tesla says there there was no defect or non-conformity, and it actually isn't liable. But it's acting in goodwill. Uh, there's also not yet been any related recall for any other steering wheels falling off. Yeah, Patel's <laughs> uh, new Model Y will come eventually, and Tesla promised to prioritise it. That said, at the time of writing, um, the company hadn't yet provided him with any details regarding a potential delivery date. Well, hopefully he's not waiting too long, though we'll see if it was a priority or not for the company. Maybe a bit of PR, but hey, that's nothing new for those guys. But it's our end for this week. Off home, and yet we're not worried about a steering wheels falling off, are we? No. So till next time, don't be a dick, make it click.
The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 